This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Advantages Digital Learning Solutions, where learning is reimagined. Good afternoon and welcome to Learning Reimagined. I'm Allison Dampier and with me is Sandy Gamba. And today we have a very special guest. We have Miss Karen Villalobos. She is the principal and superintendent for Twin Rivers Charter School out of Northern California. Karen, welcome. Thank you. It is great to be here. So fun to see see you after we decided 34 years. Yes. (laughs) I knew Karen in a past life, but (laughs) it's very exciting to be reconnected. And today is actually kind of a heavy day. It is the day after um, the shooting in Texas. And while it's it's just a heartbreaking situation and being in education, it hits us especially hard and being parents, I think it's a double whammy. And Karen, it just, your first day back at school since the tragedy happened, how we're thinking, you're you're in a very close knit community. What, what was it like on your campus today? You know, it's, it's one of those things you, you, you reel from it and you have a staff and you have parents and this morning, you know, what, what do you do that next day? And mm-hmm. and I just made sure I was out during drop-off, just saying hello to parents. Um, there weren't a lot of words expressed. Um, our families know that we have, you know, we've, we've practiced these drills. You know, that's the mm-hmm. sad part. We've practiced right. these drills. We have one ingress and egress out of our school after 8.30. So I know they know you know, I, I know they believe their students, their children are safe every day. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's just tough. It's it's heavy. It's, you know, it's, we shouldn't have to be dealing with this. We shouldn't have to be thinking right. about this. So, um, yeah. but, you know, our, our kids were back, you know, and, um, and our families, you know, have, they have, they have faith. I think that's what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you do. You have so many stakeholders that you have to think about. And being outside and making yourself visible, I mean, that's fantastic here. And I imagine you just, you lead that way. So your staff is all very aware of how to help these parents and these children as they wrap up a school year and and the anticipation, Mm -hmm. the excitement of that being clouded by the realities of, of the safety piece. Yeah. It's a huge, it's, it's a huge piece. And, and again, yes, you want to go on with your day, you know, the celebratory part, um, you know, our eighth graders are, are getting to meet uh, family members and staff members who adopted them the last three weeks. So you want to keep doing all those fun, mm-hmm. great things, because mm-hmm. that's what school does. But yet at the same point, you know, it's like, we do, we are advocates, you know, educators right. are advocates. And, and uh, I was a political science major in college, and and I joke around. People are like, "Oh, you didn't go into political science," and I said, "I'm I'm an administrator in California in education. We kind of are. Yeah, you kind of are. <laughs> I, it's political, and you can kind yeah, of try to stay absolutely. on a neutral line. But you know, on this one, I, I can still have some very strong you know views. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's been a day. Did you do you have? I remember I was in the classroom teaching when um, 9-11 happened. Right. And I remember we had an emergency staff meeting and we talked, like, how do we address it? I taught older kids. I taught fifth and sixth grade. So we discussed, you know, how do we handle it? And um, at that point, the directive from our district was, we don't, we don't talk about it. That's just a a family matter. You talk to it, that you uh, just refer them back to their families. And I told my principal, I said, I am not comfortable with that. These kids are in my care, you know, 35 hours a week. They Mm -hmm. trust me. They look to me for leadership and guidance. I need, if they bring it to me, I can't brush them off. And, um, and I said, I will call their parents and let them know what we discussed, but I'm not going to tell this child, no, I can't talk about that. Um, And so I'm, I'm just curious, how did you handle that with your staff today? Did you talk to your staff before school started and let, you know, give them parameters or how, how was it handled? You know, we have a message at, we had a message out this morning and we talked about that, you know, if a student expressed a need to want to talk about it, we have two counselors on staff and they definitely mm-hmm. could do that. And then just being really honest that, you know, we've practiced a drill and we know what to do. Um, you know, last week, our sixth and seventh graders were in an outdoor camp. And one of the things the outdoor camp required us to do was talk about what do you do? You know, what do you do in a lockdown? And our kids know, you know, you fight. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it sounds like yesterday there was no opportunity to fight back. You know, it was a barricaded right. classroom. It, it was really the worst case scenario. 
But, you know, our kids, if you ask them, they know what to do. They're going to fight back. Right. We, you know, we can run if we can try to run. But if if we're in the classroom, we're not going to leave the classroom. We're going to fight back. Um, mm-hmm. So our, our, our parent, you know, our, our staff knows how, how to handle to the best of their ability until that happens. Um, We've had so many tragedies in Northern California. You know, we've had Mm -hmm. fire victims who've come to TRCS. Um, You know, we've had evacuation because of Oroville Dam. So it seems that, you know, we've we've had more tragedies and more things that we just have to be very transparent about Mm -hmm. safety um, Mm -hmm. for our students. And so we're fortunate that our board um, has given us almost two 0.0 0.0 FTE counseling support. And so our students are, are able to access counseling. And that, that's, that's made a huge difference. That's made a huge Absolutely. difference. So that, you know, our staff who feel comfortable can talk about it, but our staff who don't can access someone who, mm-hmm. who has that knowledge and has that ability to, to you know, take care of our, our, our students. Well, and, and that's paramount. I, I was in Colorado when Columbine happened. And so when you talk about just the gravity and and the trauma, it's not just even on the student level, it's your own staff. Mm -hmm. And even though we're we're not, how do you know, there's no to-do list on this is how you should go through your feelings and your emotions and the triggers and all of these unfortunate things. So you really truly are putting this puzzle together of how to keep the community together and, and go through these different experiences. And, and each one is nuanced difference. I mean, Absolutely. Uh, you know, after the campfire in paradise, we actually ended up having 11 students enroll in our school. And so then it was working with them and their families. Um, and some of our staff had, you know, second homes and, and other things that they, they were affected. So it, it, a social emotional health is probably, you know, as, as we talk today, it's, it's really the most paramount issue I think facing schools. Um, and I, I would agree. Been, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's been in the last six years when mm-hmm. I came to TRCS six, it'll be, I'm finishing my six years. We had 0.2. So we had one day a week of counseling support one day a week. Mm. And now, you know, we have, you know, 10, 10 days or, you know, two, two staff members who that is their job. And I, we could add another one easily. We right. could add another wow. one. So it's, you know, that you know, says a lot a, about the forward thinking of your school. Um, yeah. I think a lot of schools are now in the wake of, of the pandemic, mm-hmm. realizing that there's so much more of a need for onsite counseling and, and that access. And it sounds like your your school, your school district, I don't know if this has to do with you being superintendent, but having that accessibility for your kids even prior to the pandemic, I think their recovery, after, you know, post-pandemic recovery will be, they'll be better off because of that, that you had in place prior. Absolutely. And, you know, we're, we're grateful that we have a board that has students who are at our school. So Mm -hmm. as we implement things and they're seeing it and they're seeing their own children or a grandchild access counseling support or services, Mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, this matters. And Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to have the buy-in. And I mean, and it's a cultural shift, especially for an older generation, right? I mean, you know, when I talk to my dad about counseling support at the school, he's like, well, isn't that something that parents deal with, you know, outside of school? And I'm like, not anymore, dad. You know, these are things that we have to tackle in school because otherwise students shut down and they don't learn. Um, Mm -hmm. So you fundamentally have to get them you know, where they are to get them, you know, to, to help them learn. So it, it's, it is a, it's a huge shift. It's a huge yeah. shift for schools. Karen, you mentioned having buy-in and you mentioned having a board. I, I, that's fantastic. That's, that helps so much as you approach each issue. So how does that work? Is it because you're on a, at a charter school? So charters don't have an elected board, but we do have a representative board of our community. When you write to a charter, you have to write what your governing branch is going to look like. So our charters has five. We have a five member board. Um, Two of two of our members are community members. So they may or may not have children in our at our school, but they're community members. Um, Just so happens one of ours is the president of a bank. And the other is um, turns out to be also a grandparent. And then we mm-hmm. have two of our members have to be um, parents or grandparents 
of the uh, student at TRCS. And then one is kind of at large. Um, so that really, it does help. I mean, it's different because they're not elected, but they are selected by the board um, through a, an interview process. And so it, it, it works really well. I, 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 you know, having students at the school, um, my children were here, which was a whole different conversation. But, you know, I've always said in education, even when I was the BITSA director, if a teacher's not good enough for my child, they're not good enough for your child. And that's just how I felt about it, you know, in my entire educational career. So mm-hmm. it, we really, you know, we, we put our, you know, you, when you're putting a child in, in, a, in a classroom, you want the best. So. Right. Absolutely. Oh, that's a, I like that philosophy too. And that, that's a great practice. Yeah. I would always ask like doctors, well, what would you say if this were your parents or right. how would mm-hmm. you approach it? You know, you, you want to know the real life perspective and it's same with education. If you wouldn't put your own child there, they don't belong in the classroom anyway. Right. <laughs> so. exactly. Now, exactly. can you explain to our listeners the difference between a charter school and a traditional public school? So we're public, so we're not for profit, um, a okay. charter school. We are authorized by a district. So for instance, Twin Rivers Charter School is authorized by Yuba City Unified. We have to write to a process every four years to get reauthorized. And um, we don't have a, a, so one of the things I mentioned was we don't have an elected board. We have an appointed board. Um, one of the other things that's a, kind of a, it, we don't have a district boundary area. So for instance, our school is right next to a boundary area in Yuba City where we pull students from and we, we purposely built the school here so that we could pull from a more socioeconomically diverse community. Um, mm. But those students are at a different school. They can come here, but so can any other student from the Yuba City area, you know, area which so that's a that's a big difference. You're not in a you know um, you know you're not a district. You're not in a boundary area. For you're not a, a neighborhood school. Not a neighborhood are, school. Okay. So is there busing? Up? We do not have, have transportation. That is another okay. difference. Um, and then we don't have a facility. So we pull facility different funds differently from the state of California in this case, um, which is a disadvantage coming from a traditional district before this. It's our funding source for facilities. The reason we have this amazing facility um, is because we had, um, we have a founder, we have a foundation that purchased this building, built the building and we lease it Mm. from them at a a lease rate that is comparable to any other lease in Yuba city. But our building is gorgeous. It, it does not look like a lot of schools in California. It's very cutting edge. It got an award for as the aestheticness. Um, mm. We just got a green ribbon school award from California because we are full solar. We wow. have the uh, state of the art HVAC system. So we're re- that that was a huge blessing. And not mm-hmm. not every charter school has that either. But um, we've been really really fortunate to have that. That's neat. So is with a charter school, is there a, a an academic focus? Like I know there's a lot of there's a charter school that's for STEM or for literature. Does your school have a special focus? So, yeah. So charters should when they're off when they're being authorized. And uh, TRCS was authorized in 2004. So it was one to one back there in 2004. It was going to be for one to one technology because computers were cutting edge. It was for had a social emotional curriculum, which was very cutting edge. In oh, wow. Yes. And um, smaller class sizes. So uh, over the years, we've changed, right? Because uh, education changes. And so our focus now is school to college, career and community ready. So every student leaves eighth grade at TRCS with a pathway exposure. So we have really worked hard with our high schools and we've matriculated into three high schools for the most part. Um, But we have, so they have exposure. They have exposure to um, STEM. They have exposure to uh, culinary and they have exposure to some sports, (laughs) this is gonna be the word, Um, some sports exposure (laughs) so that they are able to kind of start seeing some different pathways. Um, And then there, as well as the college, um, academics, obviously, and then uh, community. And we consider our community not only on campus, but also in the greater Yuba City area. So that's, we've shifted our 
focus, but every school, every student who promotes from TRCS is now school to college, career, and community ready. And it, oh, it really, great. yeah, it's a, it's a really neat focus for our kids mm-hmm. and the high schools. The feedback we're getting from our high schools is good, and they believe that that it's given them exposure. So as they start selecting electives or they want a CTE mm-hmm. pathway in high school, they're like, oh, this was interesting to me. Or, you know, I'm not sure this is where I want to go. I think I'd like to try something completely new that we might not have exposed them to. That's mm-hmm. fascinating from a, because you have them K through eight. Mm-hmm. And now TK through eight. That's amazing. I know. Ever. Wow. <laughs> long time. Like when these babies go across that stage, I mean, oh, they are. What a community. Know. Yeah. That's amazing. 10 they years. After that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty special. Do you, yeah. do you have a wait list? Do these? We do. Imagine. So we, yeah. So we have a lottery process, which is another kind of unique aspect of a charter. And um, like I said, our neighborhood school gets priority. So they get uh, an additional lottery entry. Um, we have T, a TK class, which was only available up until this year for September through December. Um, so they can come to our TK, but they don't automatically get to go to kindergarten but they would get an extra lottery entry. So you would get a lottery entry for living in Yuba City. You would get a lottery entry if you're in April Lane, which is our neighbor's um, school boundary area, you'd get a a entry for a TK. But what we were hoping is that it would really try to level the playing field to make sure that every student had access. And Mm -hmm. um, we have an extensive waiting list, even with uh, trying to, you know, give give the priority to our neighborhood school which is mm-hmm. really who we want to serve but we end right. up serving everyone um because well we're doing a lot of really great things which yeah is it sounds great. like a pretty amazing we're place yeah. Yeah. it's one of those double-edged sword and so now we're like just what we really have started advocating is just sharing what we're doing because mm-hmm. it's not rocket science and it's, right. it's not not replicate it's easily to replicate our school to college career and community doesn't it's you know it was a great title and then it's just putting the pieces in place and if you have a middle school you have electives you have uh you know single classes where they move so all of these pieces are easy to replicate so right our hope is that as we get you know as as we get into the future years COVID kind of slowed down that sharing of information unfortunately but we're we're really trying to you know just best practices just sharing best practices well, and I know for myself locally, I, I, there's great schools, but I, I couldn't afford a private option. Right. So for my own kids, I selected our charter school and right. I, it was incredible. I mean, the, the experience they had, the amazing things they were exposed to, and it was, a, it was such a great choice. Yeah. yeah. Blessed to be able to have that option. So it, it certainly was a great thing for my two. Right. I, I look at, when I started my PhD program, I had the um, idea of grandeur here to my, my dissertation was going to be on, I'm going to fix education. Well, you know, national nationwide to fix education is a little bit of more than one person can really do. But I think looking at charter schools, I really think that is a way of the future. I think if we had more accessibility with charters, families, I think there's just so much more benefit it's that they're they're more beneficial for our students they can really be interest driven they they are more regulated within the school itself rather than nationwide or statewide and so it's a much more personal education which is i i think what we really need to start moving toward so i think you're right in california yeah it's hard because in california you know everyone wants us to conform more to a traditional school and it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the reminder the advocacy of you know there's a reason charters were formed and if exactly. we're true to the reason charters were formed they do they you know they can be a a, a vehicle to to do best practices mm-hmm. when we see something that needs to change we don't have to wait months or years for the whole ship to turn we're able to be like all right if we have a research based practice you know teachers, let's talk about it. What would it take? What would it look yep. like? And and it can happen. I mean, one of the things that's happening in California is ELOP, Extended Learning Opportunity Program. Okay. Lots of money is being funneled into schools in California 
for an extended learning opportunity. In the past, it was called ACES. We didn't have access to the ACES grant, which is an after-school program, but we now have funding coming in for ELOP. So one of the things we're looking is just extending the school day for those students who need it for 30 minutes, front-loading and other, other activities. That's an easy way to take, and, and when I say the, fu the funding is huge, uh, uh, after school care will be free for every family in California. Wow. Starting July 1 of 23, free for everyone. In addition, 30 days of free, free care in the summer or during your breaks. So, California. Oh my gosh, Karen, that is insane. Allison, one of your questions later on was like, well, what's changed with, you know, COVID, post-COVID, what's sticking? Mm -hmm. In California, what's sticking is that we did a lot of things really well. I mean, we became masters of testing and all sorts of mm -hmm. mental health things. We did really well during COVID. And now they're saying, all right, schools, you know, why don't you go ahead and just do all of the uh, care that's needed? So 30 mm -hmm. days in addition. So. We're trying to take, you know, how, how can we use these 30 days for our benefit without mm -hmm. also being exhausting to our staff? And right. Well, that was my next question is the teacher burnout and not to get ahead of ourselves here because yeah. I want to hear more about this. But I the, the culture from what I've heard from many, many teachers is the burnout is huge. It is huge. Coming, this has been universally. I've heard that this has just been the hardest year of teaching. Yes. In ever. And so now you're looking at this ELOP and you're going to be asking for more. I mean, the money they'll get paid, sure, which is lovely. Yeah. However, the, the emotional and time commitment, that is just, we're putting so much on our, our yeah. teachers. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. Your, your foundation <laughs> was in helping these teachers mm -hmm. get started. I mean, you have so much experience and both all, all of the different roles that you've had. So I, I am so anxious to hear this because it is something that's affecting. So one of the things that we know is that when teachers feel autonomy to make change, when they feel that efficacious, that I'm making a difference. Mm -hmm. So every decision that we're making, because there are so many new reforms that are required of us. Um, you know, we've got, like I said, TK for all in California, we've got um, ELOP, you know, we have, our, you know, we, so there, there have been so many things that have come up in the last two years of more, more, more. And so when we look at it here and I look at it from a teacher perspective, if, 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 if I can connect it with how that teacher is going to feel better and successful with students, it, it seems to be a little bit of a release for them. So with this extended learning, it's 30 minutes and they are going to get to choose three, five, seven students that they want to spend the week mm. with in dedicated 30 minutes time. So, you know, and so, and then the trade-off is you don't have to, you know, you can leave after that. You don't have to put mm. in another 30 minutes of your contract day or whatever it is. And so right. it's really finding that give and take. And we mm -hmm. tested it out with, with teachers um, over the last year and they feel good. And they say, you know, when you can end your day with a win and you know, it's a win and you know, you're making a difference, and I, you have, and they have power. They don't, you know, we don't tell them what to teach. We don't tell them. And so what we're, it, most of it's turned into just front loading the next lesson. So teaching, just talking, mm. about, not even teaching, just sharing the vocabulary words for the reading tomorrow, pre-reading, looking for, you know, you know, key words that they might get tripped up. And so that when those five, seven kids come back the next day and they're reading the passage from Wonders, the kids feel successful right? And they're Absolutely. not going to stop. And so the teachers are like, mm. we have our momentum is for the, you know. <laughs> what a win. That's great. It is a win. It's, it's going to be a win. It's in. It will be. Yeah. Yeah. And with, with those teachers, knowing that you are making a difference. Yeah. That that's what, that's what it is. I left the classroom um, yeah. when my, I, I wanted to do this program. I was in a title one school and it was a very successful program. I ended up moving to another school and I said, I want to bring this program. And it was like, it was so successful, so powerful for my kids. Even like 20 years later, they've come back and told me how impactful that program was. My principal at the time said, how does that affect the test? Yeah. And I said, well, it doesn't, these are life skills for these right. kids. And they, no, sorry. We need to be focusing all of our classroom time on, um, core content that's on the test. And I'm like, peace out. I'm done. Like yeah. if I can't be authentic in my teaching, I, I couldn't do it anymore. It just, it was, 
you want to be able to be affecting change. And so you have a staff knowing that they get 30 minutes with these kids to really make a difference. That's going to, that's going to matter and that they will feel empowered. And then that in turn will empower the kids as well. So I think the way you've presented it with your staff is going to be very, very successful. And you peel off, you peel off, you know, you don't have to go do um, pickup with your kids. You know, you don't have to go Mm -hmm. stand out in the heat or the sun or, you know, the wind or the rain. You'll, you know, your time. And so that, you know, you start looking at like, all right, you know, give and take, what's the give and take. And they're like, well, who's going to watch our class? I'm like, I will, I'll go, I'll I'll go do, you know, pickup every day. If it means Mm -hmm. you're with the, you know, seven students, five students who, Mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, it's, it's negotiating and it's, it's win-win. But but when they've seen it work and they're like, oh, my gosh, um, you know, they're like, we're making a difference. It's like, OK, so, you know, that team kind of took it back to the staff and said, let's do it. And so, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's important. It's important to have that buy in. And, and you supporting it, saying I'm going to take your after school yeah. duty. Yeah. I mean, that's Karen, you are making such a huge difference. That's yeah. it's starting. It's really, truly starting with you. giving that effort to, you know, I'm going to do this for you so that you can do that for all of them. And you're a very powerful leader. Thank you. I've got, I I work with an amazing team. I've got an admin team that, um, you know, just works their tail off. And, but I will say, you know, we're this summer, we're working, we, our motto this summer, because we always have to have a motto is we're working for students, not with students. So this mm. summer, we've got some, we're going to go see to the PLC Institute and really kind of get that in under our belt again and just re-familiarize ourselves. We're going to work with Tom Shimmer from um, Solution Tree. So we're going to do a lot of really great mm. PD this summer for students. But we were really clear that we all need some time to just take a moment because it's, mm-hmm. it has been a busy two years. Yeah. Really busy. And I have to, I have to highlight that. So you have a motto for your staff during the summer. Yes. So is there a different one during the school year? I'm assuming. Yeah. Next year it's going to be community. We're going to go to big community because we have just realized that, you know, we've had some amazing successes the last few months, the green ribbon schools, yes. middle schools to watch. Um, California just designated one of our practices during um, distance learning as a pivotal practice. So we we just keep getting all these little pieces. And when we look at it, it's taken the community. Like if our parents didn't trust that we could come back to school in October of 2020 face to face, and if they mm-hmm. didn't, you know, help us out and send those kids in masks, we couldn't have done it. And so we, you know, we just feel like our community is what drives us. And it's like, mm. you know, and it's like, you've, you've got to have community. And so, um, and it also is part of us to see, you know, our school to college career and community ready. So we feel like we're, mm-hmm. we're kind of, we're excited about the community factor. We're like, okay, this is yeah. great. So. So many. That leads, That's yeah, so, it, it's so neat. Because you're such yeah. a as Allison mentioned, it's just so great to get these ideas out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I would imagine, and I, I may be wrong, hopefully I'm wrong, but you are essentially in direct competition with the public traditional middle schools and with your school getting all of these accolades. Is there some negative or competitive ramifications or things that you're dealing with? You know, a li- there are moments where uh, the good news for us is because we're a charter, we, Yuba City Unified gets listed all the time. So I actually, Doreen Osumi, who's the superintendent mm. of Yuba City, and it's a very big district. I, you know, I joke around with her. I'm like, you guys are getting a lot of great PR this spring. And, uh, <laughs> and she can take it because, you know, right. she, she wants, you know, and, and here's the thing I say, we're growing students, we're educating students for, for the Yuba Sutter community. And don't you want the best students for our community? I mean, we want the economy, you know, it, the economy is reliant on productive, you know, graduates from the high school level. So this is a win-win. We want to mm-hmm. produce the best students. So it, as much as I, it's a little friendly competition, I definitely think it ups everyone's game around here. I would hope so. Yeah. yeah I have, I I have colleagues who it's a friendly rivalry. Um, there were a lot of things that happened during COVID where, you know, we, we had some friendly rivalry of attendance. We've had friendly rivalry with uh, who had the least amount of learning loss, which is 
a completely bizarre concept in education. That is a that we all is. have learning loss, right? Learning loss happened. We know that we didn't, <laughs> educate, but we had the least amount of learning loss. And so it's like, put that on a bumper sticker. You wouldn't, right. you might not want to. <laughs> But, um, but we, you know, we do it in a way that's like nothing, nothing, like I said, we're, it's not rocket science over here at TRCS. So come and see, you know, we're willing to share all our resources. We're willing to share our practices because we want to educate this community to the best of our ability. So, um, and you know me, Allison, I'm fiercely competitive. So it's fun. It's, it's fun. To, it's fun to be doing great things. Right. Yeah. It's great. Cause you, you yeah. are, you're winning. I mean, yeah. you, your kids are winning, your school is winning. And you know, I, I had a, a, one of my daughter's teachers was like the best teacher I've ever seen. She was amazing. She was doing all of these innovative practices in her classroom and the other teachers resented her because the principal would say, well, look at so-and-so look at what she's doing. Let's try that. Can you do a PD on this? And it it was hard because the other teachers resented her. And yeah. so I'm just thinking about a TRCS getting resented by, you know, the other schools because you're probably like the model, like be more like them. <laughs> there, there are moments where we're like, you know, but, but yeah, it's all in good. I, hopefully it's, you know, I, I, there are, with, well, the, with the best intent of everyone being successful. Absolutely. Yeah, there is no mediocrity at this school. You could walk right. into any. I, it's one of those places where we don't we don't ex, you know at some schools you can say oh I want to request this teacher for fourth grade. Mm -hmm. We don't do that because what I can say to every parent is I would have my child in any of these teachers, and if I wouldn't, they don't they're not here. They don't work here. Mm -hmm. So that's a great place to be too because mm -hmm. um, it's just a really dedicated staff really dedicated stuff, which Amazing. makes it, I mean, they're super, they're super fun. And That's I love cool. the way it's set up where you do have the support of the district. Yeah. We it's do. not just an island. It's, you, you can, it's almost like the best of all worlds a yeah. little bit. Yeah. I, I will say I had to take a personal leave this, this year for seven weeks and the superintendent Doreen called me and was like, how can we help? You know, if you need to use us oh. for anything. So yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, you, you build those relationships. And so as much as, you know, as much as possible, you support each other when, you know, mm -hmm. when things happen and then you build each other up and make everyone better. Now, do you have in a charter school, do you have the autonomy to hire your teachers? Are they district employees? Or are they TRCS employees? Is there seniority where like, can a teacher so, from a different school say, I want to work there and then they can bump people? I mean, how does it all work? No, so we aren't part of uh, Yuba City Unified. And I will say one other piece that many people do think that has a factor on our success is we don't have a union. Now, our teachers could, they could unionize. That is absolutely legal in California and they could. So, uh, you know, what I say to that is if the teachers were unhappy or if they weren't getting what they needed, their needs met, they would unionize. So, mm -hmm. our teachers, uh, you know, they don't, they don't have a contract. It's year to year. Um, and we, and my contract's the same way. So we go all win with, you know, when we're doing the right things, the contract should not be, uh, you know, the, I still try to evaluate teachers on the same March deadline. I, everyone gets a lot of feedback, but, um, you know, we hire the best and, and we keep the best. That's so. fantastic. I love it. I love it. What is the biggest difference between a charter school and a private school? Well, I'd say funding is probably a huge difference. Okay. Oh, okay. Because you get state funding. We get state funding. I'd Private also say credentialing because in California, and it happened just like four years ago, they they now require full credentials in charter schools. And when I was hired at this position, for instance, I could have an elementary teacher teach PE in eighth grade which is typically a single subject PE position. Right. But I had a great elementary teacher who was passionate about PE. They just had never gotten their PE credential. Well, in 2000, I guess it must have been like 18, that that requirement changed. And, mm. California, and so all of our teachers are credentialed in their field, in whatever they're teaching. Okay. Private school credentials, not so much. No, it's the, yeah. the directive of the private school. Yeah. So um, I believe that this, the law is, in order to teach in a private school, one must have the ability to teach. <laughs> it's laughable, 
Um, and so that's why, you know, yeah. a lot of private schools make their own parameters and they state that. Right. Um, but it's up to the school itself, really. There's something to be said for growing your own. And, and uh, you know, I, I we're doing a lot of that right now. Our paraprofessionals, um, we're mm-hmm. seeing them go through, especially with the need for another TK um, classroom next year. We're growing our own. One of our paras is becoming a TK mm-hmm. teacher because we need nice. it. So, you know, getting the coursework and making sure she's compliant with all the the needs. But we've Mm -hmm. had teachers leave, which is hard because they've outgrown us and there isn't another Mm -hmm. position. Um, We lost a wonderful ELD aide to a full time ELD teaching position at a local high school because of, a you know, she she attained her credential. And it's like so, you know, we grow them and then sometimes they leave us and Mm. it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, with your rising eighth graders, you mentioned earlier that there's three feeder schools that they focus to predominantly. Go yeah. Uh, are those charter schools nope. as well? No. Traditional public. There is one charter school in Marysville that we probably have two or three students who end up in. It's an arts high school, mm. uh, Marysville Charter Academy for the Arts. And so if you have an arts interest, you might end up there. But Otherwise, our school ends up at uh, Yuba City High School, River Valley High School, or Sutter Union High School. And those are all traditional public high schools. So. Hmm. Now, in the intro, I explained that you are a superintendent as well as the principal. Yes. So explain how that works. That is like, those are two giant jobs. How do you do both? Um, You know, it's interesting because... uh, I've, I've done this role before when I actually, my first job out of teaching was a superintendent principal of a small K-8 school in, in Northern California. And so I've, all, I've known this role and then I later became the superintendent principal of a high school district um, just up the road and then coming here. So I've known this role and it, mm. it's, um, th- there's, there's two very different roles though. The superintendent typically in a district or an LEA, they, they serve the board policy, board policy, board direction, mission, vision. That's their role as a superintendent is is to serve the board. A principal serves the teachers. They want to keep your teachers happy. They want to evaluate, you know, they want to grow. They want to, you know, happy teachers make great students. You know, it's like you, you, the better your teachers are, the better our students are going to be. Sometimes those jobs are a little conflicting, say um, yeah. budget development, because you have That's a board. That's I was going to ask yeah. about the budget. That you would be the hardest job to do yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> you have a board who wants to cut costs or keep costs, mm-hmm. you know, and then you have teachers who want raises. And so that, that probably is the, it's a moment where the board and I, you know, we know, and they know my role. I said, my job is to protect the teachers and keep these teachers and the board knows, and my job is to keep you all happy. So it's a balancing act. It's a lot of trust. It's a lot of developing of relationships over years. And And this is where your poli side degree comes in. (laughs) there's, There's moments where I'm like, okay, here's how I feel about this, but this, um, so it's, it's a unique, it's very common in California though, especially Northern California, lots of districts are small enough. They're considered under 2,500 is what a, in California, a small school district. And there are over, I, I want to say it's close to 60% of schools in California fall under that parameter. A lot wow. of small school districts. And in Yuba city, there are, um, I believe five, uh, K eight schools, TK eight schools that have superintendent principals. So this is a common hmm. This is common for where this area. Um, okay, it's actually an amazing gig. I mean, it's it's super fun because you know the buck stops with you and the buck stops with you. You know, it's like so. Yeah. Um, like I said, I have an amazing AP who um, handles so many things to make this job a lot easier. She's a guru of um, social and emotional learning. She handles discipline like a pro. Well, she is a pro at it. Um, and she does a lot of the pieces. And then for us, she she kind of is like the headmaster over at middle school. She loves middle school. So it takes a lot of internal. Sandy, you were kind of asking, you know, how does that work? And it's like it takes everyone kind of, you know, overseeing a core area of the school to really make sure it all comes together. And if we have about 460 students. So 
it, it does, you know, it, it, it requires a, a pieces of everyone. But then a lot of our teachers pick up things like ELAC committee and or SSTs and or 504s. And those little pieces help us all kind of work together um, as a team. But I, there are leaders on this campus everywhere you look, which helps. What an incredible team you have to be able to delegate and know who those assets are on your campus. And again, it provides such engagement as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, your role here is different than your other districts because those are those were not charter. They were not charters. How does this one differ? Like, is it the the elected board that's you know, the elected board creates a different dynamic, um, usually typically great. I mean, you know, you've got people who are well-intentioned, uh, you know, in a traditional district, you're also working with transportation, which is a huge piece, you know, you're huge. Moving, moving students at 7am and you're moving and at the high school district, not only are you moving them all day long, you're also moving them to athletic events mm -hmm. and, you know, all night long. So those bus drivers you almost need three shifts of bus drivers because when you have a baseball game up in Alturas and, you know, one one bus driver started at 7 a.m. to get the kids to school and then the other one's getting them up to Alturas and getting them to. So lots of different dynamics, um, you know, when you're at a, at a traditional district um, versus a charter. I, I Giving up transportation was like. Yes, that was a Christmas now, there are certain things like, itself. It didn't I, hit your yeah, heart. People, people ask, like, you know, how, how are you so able to be focused in the classroom? And I'm like, well, I'm not doing transportation and I'm not doing facilities because we lease this building from our founders who keep it up. Right. They do the landscaping for us. They do all the maintenance. So taking those two pieces off allows me to focus in classroom instruction mm -hmm. and curriculum and developing our staff so that they're successful. Which is what you should be doing. Yes. Like, it's just, it's yeah. not rocket science. Yeah, I mean, it's let the educators yeah. be educators. Right. That's where I think the biggest fail of our education system is that their uh, education leaders are being forced to deal with business aspects yep. and, and things that they're not Number one, not trained to do. Number two, not passionate about. And it takes away from the heart and soul of the of, of education. And so, yeah, it was a big piece mm -hmm. in COVID-19. I mean, all of a sudden we became, you know, the public health office. We, we were mm -hmm. tracing students. We were tracing where COVID was coming from there. There were days where, you know, mm -hmm. two, two people just doing contact tracing. And it was like, so awesome. Crazy. Is this, Such is this a really what of your brain power? I mean, just, oh, it's unfortunate. It was, yeah. um, what would you say is the biggest, I mean, COVID, let's not talk about COVID, biggest challenge. <laughs> you know, of course, COVID was the biggest challenge you faced. But um, in running a school district and running your, your school, what is the biggest challenge that you face? I would say uh, it's it's the politics. It's the it's you know it's the it's in, in my case it's California, and California adding all of these pieces on. You know we have an LCAP that we have to write every year, and now we have to write an ELOP plan, and then we have to write a site plan, and now we're writing a TK plan, and it's like stop moving the finish line, right? Just just yeah. you know give us a year or two. Two would be great to just incorporate some of these things and get good at them. But we are in constant change. Um, mm. You know, one of our counselors recently referred to this whole period that that post post COVID, it'll be a PTSD kind of a moment. And absolutely. And not to downplay that people who've been to war and had you know a truly PTSD experience, but. We have been so pivoting every single month in the last 24 months that there are moments where it's like you, you don't even realize all the change that we've continually been through. So I, I mm -hmm. think that's just the biggest challenge is like if we could just get a little bit of, you know, just stay the course for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Let yeah. us see what we can really do, because I, I the amount of paperwork and reporting that we have to do, it's like. It, it does. It takes away from the good work that we want to be doing. So, mm -hmm. yeah, the, the PTSD, I think, um, actually on our uh, one of our coming up uh, um, podcasts is with a um, youth psychologist. Yeah. And one of the biggest topics we talked to her 
um, when COVID first started. And we said, we're going to want to talk to you at the end, you know, during the endemic to figure out and just learn a little bit more about coming out of this. Yeah. I mean, when you have eighth graders who've only been in middle school wearing a mask and now they're afraid to take their mask off, I'm sorry that there's there's some trauma there. They they are afraid. Yeah. And um, my own children, it, well, I have a graduating senior this year in high school, and it's like she doesn't even get excited about future plans because she says, well, it's probably going to get canceled anyway, because for two years, everything got canceled. And so- right. I, I think there's going to be a lot of PTSD, and I, I don't think that's really an overstatement of terms. I mean, it does not equate to going to war, watching people getting killed, but I do believe there is, it, it's a trauma what they have lived through. And so I think the SEL, the social emotional learning is going to be, it, it almost takes priority in a lot of places over educate over traditional education, because we need to have these kids mentally okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's 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 going to be um as you said a post endemic like this this moment in time this this period of where we're at I don't even think we're really I don't even think we really even know how mm-hmm. much it's affecting us and and you know one of the things we're, we're talking about with our board for next year is actually offering support for with a counselor for our own staff to just process Mm. some of the things that seem to be bubbling up and and letting them talk through because you know it's it's uh we have been on a hamster you know we've just been on run 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 hamster Mm -hmm. wheel or or just a you know and it um it i you know when you know on march 16th 2020 they said you know let's just leave school we're just going to close school for two weeks right just flatten the curve and it's like Wow. If we had known yeah. then what we knew now, we might have gone out with a different mindset. Um, and mm-hmm. and that, I guess that's truly what PTSD is, is when you you know have the mm-hmm. trauma that you didn't know you could even plan for or anticipate. So, right. I think your district is doing your school system doing such a great job at overthinking and taking care of, for example, having those two counselors. But now mm-hmm. even projecting forward as you take care of the teachers and the admins. Because that's that's a whole other layer that that energy keeps depleting and depleting. And so how do you fill their cups? Yeah. You're already addressing all of that. So Trying to for I sure. applaud you for, for putting it on the radar mm-hmm. because then they feel like you are they are in trusted hands. And mm-hmm. they really are. That is a very big piece. So so Karen, I, I, I'm listening to everything that you are doing for your staff and for your students and for your community. You are taking such great care of everybody. How do you take care of you? <laughs> Sandy likes to always ask, how do you fill your cup? How do you make sure that you're doing okay? You know, it's, it's, uh, this is not the year to ask me. I think, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm, more reason. I know. And, then, and, and unfortunately, you know, I, I lost my father uh, in, in January. And so this has been one of those years, but I will say that, what I ended up modeling for my staff, I took a leave. I took a family leave act for seven weeks to take care of him in December. And then he he passed in January. And it for a superintendent, for a person in, I, I mean, I, I now can say to people, I'm not sure I took seven weeks off when I had babies, right? I've been mm-hmm. so career oriented. And, and what it's turned out to be is a really good, I've modeled that it's okay to take time off and take time for yourself and your family so that you can be there. Um, and now, I, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm back and I'm just able to take, you know, taking those walks this morning at 605. I was out there walking my dog and just doing those little things to really make sure that I can come with my cup filled. And, mm-hmm. you know, a 35 minute walk. It's amazing how it just changes your whole mindset when you walk in. Um, mm-hmm. I've taken up golf. Somehow hitting a small ball is really kind of helping me. I like, you know, <laughs> moments where that ball is something that's in my life. But um you know, just and trying to model and we, we we've had a lot of hard conversations on the staff that if I see a car out there at four o'clock, I'm going to come and talk to you in your classroom because we're not, you know, so I'm trying to model that, trying to model the balance. Mm-hmm. It's been hard. I mean, honestly, this has been a long year. It's been the days have been long. Um, yeah. But just realizing that, you know, hopefully knocking on wood, we're going to get back to some normalcy. Mm-hmm. Um 
and just, and just taking, you know, taking those small steps in my, in your own life to, to be there so that you can right. be there for the long haul. I will say, I don't, and not that anyone cares, but knock on wood, I did not get COVID in the 26 <laughs> months. I, I somehow knock on wood because I, and I keep saying that I didn't, I was, I did not ever have to be out for COVID. So I think that wow. was like somehow some grace of someone um, that I was able to be here for my staff. So when I had to take my leave for my dad, it was like, all right. This is the moment where, you know, I'm going to model that, that family first. And mm-hmm. I've always said that to my staff, I've, you know, but I've never really modeled it. And so doing it, mm-hmm. I think people are like, all right, she's, she's, you know, absolutely. So, yeah. absolutely. and Karen, I watched that all on Facebook and the relationship you had with your dad and the time you took, I mean, it was beautiful. It was going to make me cry. Yeah. Uh, it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And I just, I'm so I know he was extremely grateful and you're in such a model for your family and for your kids and for your staff and for everybody. And just so filling, you know, it was just, it was beautiful. It, it was beautiful. The way you live your life. That's it, well, you're I, just such a model. And I will say I, the, my board was incredibly supportive. My administrative team filled, you know, filled the pieces they needed to fill while I was gone. And my board just, ne- it, it never felt like it was even a question. It wasn't ever a, mm. a concern. It was you right. do what you need to do. So when you've got those, that backing behind you, it's mm-hmm. like, all right, you know, I can do this. I can do this, you know, mm-hmm. and you live and that, I, yeah. that he's left you. That's just yeah. such a gift that you are to your community. It's so it's such a wonderful pleasure to meet you. It's, it's you. awesome. You're amazing. Thank you. And I I just, I so appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for spending it with us. Thank you for all of the change you were doing. And just, I'm grateful that there are people out there like you running schools and teaching our kids and just being such an example for a community. And I just, I hope people learn from you. And if it's okay with you, we would like to tag you in our social media so that any other administrator out there who wants to learn more about your practices um, and reach out to you. Cause I, I just think we need to clone what you're doing nationwide. I, I just, I think it's so impactful. Well, and we learn things every day from our other colleagues, you know, part mm-hmm. of me being outside mm-hmm. today was from some blog I read this morning, just be, be available. It's like, I love it. Don't reinvent the wheel, tap mm-hmm. into your resources. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Good. Well, Karen, keep up the amazing work, Thank but you. take some time for you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Have a great day, y'all. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Learning Reimagined. If you're enjoying this podcast, please help us spread the word by clicking the subscribe button or share your favorite episodes with families and friends and leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts.